Welcome to the True North Podcast. This podcast is about navigating through today's culture in the direction that lands at the heart of God. Let's go. I really feel confident with the direction the Lord has taken us, especially this morning, because <clears throat> I hadn't even had I hadn't even had the chance to even just briefly go over with Kelsey what we was going to be discussing this morning. But I remember earlier this week there was um, there was a day I can't remember what specific day it was, but um, you know I'm playing with Cohen at the house. Everybody's gone. So, you know, everybody's gone. So me and Cohen, you know, the boys, the two boys, the two amigos, you know, we could do however. You know, if Cohen wants to watch some Mickey Mouse, then we'll watch some Mickey Mouse. Half the Wolfpack. If Cohen wants to watch some Sports Center, then we're going to watch, some, I mean, whatever Cohen wants to do, you know. So if Cohen wants to watch some ESPN, you know, I'm not going to be the father to deny him some ESPN. So I remember we're, 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 we're rolling around, tossing and turning. I'm in the floor letting him just, ah. And I stand up, I get ready to stand up and I stretch. And when I stretch, I don't know if you've noticed, but like he'll, he'll lean back and try to stretch too. And it's cute. The other boys, they do it. And he lifts his hands up towards me. And when he did, I, you know, I, I, I picked him up and I started hugging and kissing and loving on him. And I started to think about Papa. And instantly I felt in my spirit, this is worship. And as I heard that in my spirit, I just, I stood, I, I stepped back. I pulled my face away from Cohen and I looked at his eyes and he looked at my eyes. And I was like, oh Lord, you're right. Of course he's right. But I, out of my mouth, I said, this is worship. And then my flesh, part of my brain was like, but, but Lindsay, you know, worship is reverence. Worship is awe. Worship is, is reverence. And that word reverence, when you look it up, reverence means you know, profound adoring or awed respect. And in that moment, and in that moment, Cohen definitely had profound adoration for his dad. He definitely had a respect for his, his pops to the point that he would just, he would mimic everything I did. Everything I did. Everything I did. Cohen definitely was showing profound adoration. Listen, let me say this. Worship is meant to be close proximity. Worship is meant to be close proximity, proximity. And the reason I said I feel confident with this is because when Kelsey reminded us that worship is face to face. And when we say worship is face to face, it's easy. I don't know if you if you're like me, it's easy to picture when we say worship is meant to be face to face. It's easy to think about, okay, well, I'm supposed to sing to God face to face. Yeah, you can sing to God face to face. But when we say worship is meant to be face to face, worship is more than singing. Worship is more than singing. Worship is more than Sunday morning at 10 o'clock or, or Wednesday at, at 6 o'clock. Worship is every day, 24-7, day and night, night and day, let worship arise. When we say that, are we singing, are we singing you know, day and night, let songs arise? No, we're not just saying that. God is not just boxed in by a song, but God wants your whole life. He wants from, he wants from sun up to sundown, day in and day out. He's, he's better than the Krispy Kreme donut hot sign. The hot sign, I remember when we lived in Daytona, Lordy Day, that was a temptation for me because we lived right down the road from it, and the hot sign would come on. Mm -hmm. And I knew, you knew when the hot sign was on, Lord, you are moving right now. 
but you had a window and 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 if if you ever have, if you ever get a chance to go there it's it's a big town with only one little donut shop one little donut on the corner with no parking and you and here's how you know but even if you can't see the hot signs on here's how you know the hot signs on when traffic is backed up and people are outside yelling because the parking the parking situation is all mad and you see people yelling did it move I'm trying to, and the line you can be down the road and you can see that the line up by the red light on 20 uh, I almost said 25th that's Cleveland woo uh, international there we go on international when you see the corners backed up oh the hot side's on the hot side's on well do I want to chance it today do I, do I want to chance it today and then you couldn't park at a, a straight business beside it because they had specific signs that said, our parking only, do not park here and go to Krispy Kreme. You know, <laughs> I'm like, well, they've, they've experienced some things. So you only had a certain window. But with God, there is no certain window. He's available all the time. And in that moment, the Lord said, this is worship. And this is what we're going to talk about today. Because in that moment, I realized, Lord, and it wasn't I realized it, but it was as he began to reveal these things to me. But maybe we, we, we've had this thing all wrong. And when I say we, I mean the church in America. I mean saints, brothers and sisters in Christ. Saints. Maybe we've had this thing all wrong when we just, when we specifically think of worship as a song, when really worship is a life lived. It's your life lived. It's your, it's your eating it's the chores you do at the house. It's you driving. It's you putting gas in your car. It's, it's the life you live. <clears throat> Worship is meant to be close proximity. Close proximity. And, you know, he began to teach me in that moment. I'm going to give you a very outlandish statement. Because when he said it, I was like, oh, Lord, that ain't going to strike the right chords with certain people. And a lot of times when Jesus would provoke the Pharisees and scholars and all the scribes he wasn't doing it because he wanted to be petty he was wanted to do it in order to get a a shot to their system to the point they could realize whoa what did you just say and then their ears are perked to listen to his next few words so when i say that i say this the lord told me this that that day me and cohen are having this moment of worship and it turns out we've been worshiping all his little life i just never realized it what have you not realized that you've been doing with the Father all this time? That's powerful in, its, in itself. But he told me this. He said, we have this all wrong. We don't live for God. We live in him. We don't live for God. We live in him. And I, I, can, I can feel it already. I'm glad I feel it because we will we'll, we'll unpack that. We'll unpack that. But I remember the other night when I was leaving Walmart, the Lord told me, I just happened to look across the parking lot. The Lord told me, he said, people, Lindsay, people are wanting, people in this area are wanting something real and something true. They're wanting something new. They're wanting something real and they're wanting something true. And I just begin to say, okay, Lord. And that was the night before we, I had this, uh, he revealed to me what worship was. I'm like, Lord, okay, what, what, what is it? Of course, I'm excited. I'm giddy. Okay, yeah. Yeah, God, they want something real. They want something true. They don't know what I'm praying for, but I'm just, I'm like, all right. And then it wasn't until the next day, me and Cohen are doing what we've always done. And he's like, this is worship. And I never put those two and two together until now. But 
more and more people are realizing that religion isn't the solvent, it is the accelerant. More and more people are starting to realize when you look across the globe, more and more people are starting to realize that religion and traditions, it's not the answer, it's actually the, the thing that keeps the problem going. It's not the solution to our, our performance. It's not the solution to how we see God. It's not the solution to how we see ourselves. It's not the solution to make our walk with the Lord better. <clears throat> our mission as this collective, I wrote this down. Our mission as this collective is to point people towards Jesus, not towards a denomination, not towards a program, not towards a dress code, not towards a style of music, not towards a style of church. We point them to Jesus, and when they see him, they will see the Father. And that's when more people will have that same moment of father and son having worship, looking face to face. Looking face to face. Somebody say face to face. If you have a Bible this morning, I'm going to be in Acts chapter 17, verse 28. See, looking, when, you, when you look face-to-face, -face, when you look face-to-face -to, -face to Jesus, the Bible refers to Jesus as perfect love. Also, the Bible says that perfect love casts out all what? Fear. Perfect love casts out all fear. And guess what? It not just only casts out all fear, but it casts out everything that comes with fear. Guilt, shame, embarrassment, insecurity, lack, doubt, worryation, anxiety, all, all, the, all the famous tools that the devil loves to use to, 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 to probe you, to frustrate you, to hinder you, to stop you, to get you to second guess who God truly is. See, I'm going to outlandish statement number, number two. We said outlandish statement number one was that we aren't, we, we're, God, we're not designed to live for God. We're designed to live in God. That was, that, was, that was statement number one. Statement number two is spiritual warfare isn't about binding and losing, loosing and throwing grease. <laughs> spiritual warfare is not about, it's not so much as binding and loosing. What spiritual warfare really is about, it's about sitting in the arms of the one who loved you first and looking at the face of perfect love and all of Adam's illusions being dismantled and you for the first time seeing your reflection as you look into the eyes of the Father. As you look into the eyes of the father, in that moment when, when Cohen was looking into his father's eyes, you know who Cohen saw? He saw himself because he saw his reflection as he was face to, he was close enough face to face. And guess what? He can see what his dad saw. And there is no doubt within him. One of my favorite worship songs, I say that a lot, a lot so I guess I have a lot of favorite worship songs. And I can't, I can't fully put this, I will say one of my favorite verses. There we go, because I don't like the whole song. Because the whole song, I'm like, ah, I kind of fell off. I felt like they just ran out of stuff to say, and then they just, choo -choo -choo. but the first half of it was good. You know, one of my favorite verses literally says, when I lock eyes on you, I see my reflection. want to get lost in you and feel your affection when I lock eyes on you. I, and I love just saying that over and over again, especially when I'm working. Working just put, look, when I lock eyes on you, I see my reflection. And see, that's what worship is meant for us when we can look at the face of God and we can see who he sees, which is us. And we can understand, okay, God, this, I, 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 I don't see the way I see myself. I see myself the way you see me. And that's what spiritual, spiritual warfare truly is about. It's about us resting in the arms of God and looking face to face and seeing what he sees, 
which is someone that is perfectly loved, which is somebody that is healed and whole, not broken, which is somebody that is secure, not insecure, which is somebody that is a champion and has a crown of confidence placed on their head. You know who that person is? That person's you. That's what spiritual warfare really is. It's us putting our, putting our trust in the Lord and all of the illusions that Adam developed in his own mind. And we inherited all those things beginning to be dismantled. Because when you don't believe a lie, what's left? The truth. Mm. When you don't believe a lie, what's left? The truth. We said it a few months ago, but one of my main focuses is right believing li- leads to right living. You believe right, you'll live right. It's not so much about believing right in order to pass the spiritual test or the, 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 the Bible test. Whenever you get a piece of paper, oh, okay, I know this answer. No, no, no. It's not about that. Right believing is about right living. If you believe right, then you're going to live right. Watch this. If you believe right, then you're not going to fall for the tricks of the enemy. Amen. Paul said in Romans 6, 11, he said, we are not ignorant to the devil's devices. Which means we know better. How do we know better? Because we are in him. We are in him. And when you're in him, he will, will, he will reveal all things. All things. Somebody say all things. All things. <clears throat> so in Acts chapter 17, verse 28, you know it. If you don't know it, you be, you're going to know it by the end of today. We, we quote it every, I reference it every Sunday, but I fully believe this is going to become one of our foundational scriptures. Acts 17, 28, Paul says, it is through him, talking about Jesus, it is through Jesus that we live and function. Somebody say function. Makes me think of, it's not in the song, but it makes me think of conjunction, junction, what's your function? Hooking up phrases and words and clauses. Okay. Couldn't help it. <laughs> it is. <laughs> What'd you say? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, oh. <laughs> But in Acts 17, 28, it says, it is through him, Jesus, that we live and function and have our identity, just as your own poets have said. Watch this. Our lineage comes from who? Him. So we've said it before, but it is through him that we live and function and have our identity. So there's parallels within the Bible for this verse. Uh, what is it? Uh, Job twelve ten. Job says this. For the life of every living thing is in his hand and the breath of every human being. Another parallel for this is Hebrews 2.11. The author says this, Jesus, somebody say Jesus. Jesus. The Holy One makes us holy. And ah, one in the notes, but you catch that? We're going to read it again. We're going to go slow. Jesus, the Holy One makes us what? Holy. Holy. Did you know you're holy? And see, growing up, traditions have taught us that. That is an outlandish statement. You, only, only God is holy. Only God is divine. Only God is sovereign. Yes, God is sovereign. But the author says that Jesus, who is holy, makes you holy. You are set apart. You are set apart for such a time as this. You are holy. And what does the devil tell us? The devil tells us everything but that you are holy. 
The devil tells you that you are less than. The devil tells that you are broke. The devil tells that you are disgusted. The devil tells you that you are that you are all the opinions of the, the everything that, that your peers have said. The devil tells you that you are what your bank account is. The devil tells you you are just like the car breaking down. You are the devil tells us everything that is the opposite of the fact that you are holy. I didn't make it up. Lindsay didn't spend last night typing it. Okay, ooh, that's gonna be a good. We're gonna put that in there and then say it's the Bible. No. That's the Bible, the B-I-B-L-E. That's the book for you. B-I-B-L-E is the book for me, okay. Jesus, the Holy One, makes us holy, and as sons and daughters, so God identifies us as sons and daughters. If God identifies you as son or daughter, you should be identifying yourself as a son or daughter. As sons and daughters, we now belong to his same father, so he is not ashamed or what? embarrassed to introduce us as his brothers and sisters. Can I tell you one time I was embarrassed in my family? I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I remember I was, and you've probably heard the story before. I know Kelsey has. I think I was 15 or 16. We was in Fred's. Everybody remember Fred's? I was in Fred's. R.I.P. Fred's. Don't know where you at, but, you know, gone but not forgotten, you know. And, uh, you know, we're, we come in, and I don't know if you remember, but, you know, the entrance was on this side and the exit was on this side or whatever. We come in, and, you know, you know, I'm in high school. You know, I, I'm not a freshman anymore. Uh, in between sophomore and junior, I, I have a little more confidence. You know, just turned 16, so I got the license. You know, I ain't got the, ain't got the cool car yet, but, you know, I'm on my way. So I got that on my way vibe and on my way energy. And, you know, this on, my, this on his way Lindsay, version of Lindsay, you know, he sees, he sees a, a, a creation, you know, that God has created. And I'm like, oh, you know, I'm going you know, to go introduce myself, you know. So I'm over there, da, 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 and mom goes about, you know, her and Jerry are gone. So I'm like, oh, it's perfect, you know. She don't, she don't know who I'm with. You know, she might think I might, I might got here on my own. So, you know, I'm just da-da-da, you know, da-da-da, lay, laying out the dominoes, you know, laying out the dominoes and seeing what she's going to pick up. And all of a sudden, mom's on the other side, and she, like, it's dread to start just bah, crying, crying. And, you know, I'm not paying any attention. And that's, you know, mama yells, Lindsay, come get your daughter. And I'm like, and the girl looked at me. I'm like, I didn't even further explain nothing. I just put my head down and walked up. <laughs> I was like, that was one moment where I was like, really, God, this is my family. This is my family. And, you know, mom was doing laughing just like that, just like that. <laughs> I'm like, I had to take ownership of this. <laughs> but I was embarrassed. In my heart, I was embarrassed. And I love this because in the scripture, it says that God's not embarrassed about us. He's not embarrassed about your quirky self. All the different little, uh, all the different little nuances that you have going on, the different things where, you know, only you, like, oh, you know, you have, you just, if you know me, then you know, God knows you. And guess what? He's not embarrassed. He, know, he knows about all the different things that you think you need in order to make it through the day. All the cups of ice, all the coats, all the coffees, all the Hershey bars, all the Pepsis, all the feet on the dashboard as you take a break, all the, all the sugar. All, I mean, we could go in it. I'll just, God knows all the stuff. <laughs> God knows all the stuff. <laughs> and guess what? The scripture says. So he is not ashamed or embarrassed to introduce us as his brothers. Jesus is not embarrassed by you. Amen. What's the opposite of embarrassment? Pride. He's proud. He takes pride in the person you see in the mirror. 
And we should too. Not saying that we should be prideful and be like, ooh, look at this guy. Look at this tall glass of water. No, no, no. We shouldn't be that way. But when the devil comes in like a flood and reminds us of our past, we put a hand out. I remember as a kid, they taught us, you know, put your hand up. Stop. You know, the ear ain't li- talk to the hand because the ear ain't listening. When's the last time you told the insecurities that? Stop. Papa is proud of me. I'm the beloved of God. What you're saying, uh-uh, that, I don't, that's, that was before. This is a new creation. This is a new creation. Brand new. You ever got something brand new before? It makes you forget about the old real quick, don't it? You get thankful, like, oh, look at this. We, you know, when we bought the van, you know, it, you know, even though it was used to us, it was new. Like, getting, like, we're driving it, and I didn't even want to admit, I'm like, man, this is a bad van. It's a bad van. But Kelsey, Kelsey's all hyped, so, you know, I got to balance it out, so I'm just, you know. And then she gets in the forerunner, and she's like, oh, you know, I remember them. And I'm like, I got to balance it out, you know. No, the forerunner is, I love the forerunner, forerunner so good. One day I got in the forerunner, I was like, man, this ain't as free as the van. I ain't got as much leg room. I'm like, Runny, Runny, you, Runny, you always been this tight. So what's, what's up with this? I'm, you know, I'm even, the steering wheel a little tight. It's always been like this, Lord. When, uh, so now I'm like, well, maybe because I ain't been driven in a while. And then I get in the van. I had to run out this morning, and, the, and I looked at the floor. I was like, I'm going to take the van. I'm in a hurry. You know, so I got it. I was like, <sighs> that, that, I'm like, yeah, it smells like the boys' toys. But still got that new car smell somewhere, somewhere in there. It is easy. But when you get around something new, it makes you forget about the old. And it makes you thankful for what you... So we need to start seeing ourselves as new creations. Amen. And forget about the old. I'm not saying forget about what brought you here, but I'm saying all the woes that you have endured, all the, diff- all the negative that the devil loves to bring into your remembrance, forget that. And remind yourself, I'm a new creation. I'm the beloved of God. Amen. Well, Lindsay, I, I struggle doing that. Okay, well, then you need to look at the face of the Lord. Like Kelsey said, turn our lives toward the face of God. Turn your lives toward the face of God. Well, Lindsay, how do I do that? I'm so glad you asked. So in 1 Corinthians, uh, another, uh, uh, another you know, uh, parallel to Acts 17, 28, 1 Corinthians verse 30, Paul says this. He says, for it is not from man that we draw our life. Hey, you know what that means? Everybody, every, every, every man or woman on this earth that you consider as high importance, as much as you may consider them high importance, they don't determine who you truly are. They don't define you. And I have people I look up to, but at the end of the day, as much as I love them, as much as I honor them, they do not define Lindsay. Paul says, for it is not from man that we draw our life, but we draw our life from God. Watch this, as we are being joined to Jesus, the anointed one. And now he is our God-given wisdom, our virtue, our holiness, and our what? Redemption. Look, the mirror, the mirror Bible says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. I'm going to read this version because I really like it. says this, of God's doing, we are in Christ. He is both the genesis and the genius of our wisdom, a wisdom that reveals how righteous, sanctified, and redeemed we really are. How righteous and sanctified we are in him. 
Watch this. He redeemed our identity. He redeemed our sanity. He redeemed our health. He redeemed our joy. He redeemed our peace. He redeemed our innocence and our complete well-being. I'm going to say that one more time. I'm going to say that one more time. If you didn't get it, I'll guess who I'm talking about. I'm talking about you, and I'm talking about me. If you don't receive it, it's okay. I receive it for myself because when I read this, Colin was asleep, and I about woke him up. I was like, whoa, Lord, that's me. I remember a commercial back in the day. Oh, that's a low price. That's what I did at that moment. Oh, that's me. But Jesus redeemed our identity and our sanity. He redeemed our health. He redeemed your health, church. He redeemed your joy. He redeemed your peace. He redeemed your innocence. He redeemed your complete well-being. Your complete well-being. Watch this. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4 says it this way. <clears throat> no, you're good. While you get, I'm gonna read in the mirror. I'm pull up in the mirror too. He says, and Paul says, and he chose us to be his very own, joining us to himself, even before he laid the foundation of the universe. Because of his great love, he ordained us so that we would be seen as holy in his eyes, with an unstained. What's that last word? Innocence. With an unstained innocence. He redeemed you, so the way you look right now is innocent in the eyes of God. Well, Lindsay, you don't know what I said yesterday. You don't know somebody made me mad, and I let them have it. Unstained innocence. Well, Lindsay, you don't know what last week looked like. You don't know what they're accusing me of. You don't know the thoughts that I wrestle with. You don't know, you know, what I'm... Unstained innocence. And we've, we've broken down the scripture before, but that, that word really in the original... Uh, in the in the original tense, it's not just saying that we were before the foundation of the world. We were before the fall of man. Your true identity was created before the fall of man. Therefore, you have who you truly are meant to be. It's not conscious of sin. It's not bound by sin. It's not bound by guilt. It's not bound by shame. It's not bound by the insecurities. It's not bound by anxiety. It's not bound by nervousness. It's not bound by all the different things that rid us of this world. Deplete your energy. It's not bound by those things. It's not bound by those things. And Paul says it this way in the, in the Mirror Study Bible. He says in verse 4, <clears throat> Jesus, it says, He associated us in Christ before the fall of the world. Jesus is God's mind made up about us. He always knew in his love that he would present us face to face before him in blameless innocence. In blameless innocence. Watch this. The entire fall was a falling away in our minds from our true identity as image and likeness bearers of Elohim. When Adam and Eve fell, it was a falling away because they didn't trip and fall. Okay, I don't, I don't know if you know. It's a joke just to see you smile a little bit. But the fall, it wasn't them tripping and stumbling. Oh, where did these acorns come from? No. It was a falling away in their minds. It was a falling away of our minds. From uh, And we had lost the, the understanding that we are image and likeness bearers of Elohim. Elohim is Hebrew for the God that started it all. Amen. The falling away in our minds of being image and likeness bearers of Elohim. So the fact that Jesus has redeemed us, what has he redeemed us to? He's redeemed us back to we realize that, you know what? I'm created in the image of God. He redeemed us to where we realize I am the beloved of God. 
There is nothing that separates me from the love of God. I can make my, I can climb to the highest mountain and he still knows me. His, his love is still there. I can make my bed in hell and his love is still there. Which co-signs what she said earlier, how, yes, even though people go to hell, still God loves them. Because as David said, I can make my bed in hell and your love is still there. You still know me. You, you, he can't forget you. He cannot forget you. Why? Because it's not in his nature. It's not in his nature. And that's why he wants us to look at him face to face to get to know who he is. Because we'll realize when things happen in our life, God, this isn't your nature. So this isn't you. So I don't blame you. In fact, I, I've overcome this because you've overcome this. Therefore, this problem that exists, watch, we step over it. Why? Because we realize who we are. and We realize that it's an illusion. It's not real. We realize, hey, the doctor may have given me this diagnosis, but you, you, I have unstained innocence. You have redeemed me. You redeemed my well-being. We read it in church. That's a, you redeemed my well-being. So, okay, what he's saying, that, uh-uh, that's not the final word. Lord, what is it you say? Oh, you, you've healed me? Okay, well, that's, that's the reality I accept. And eventually, when it moves from here to here, when it finally gets to here, that's when we see it flourish. But until it gets to here, we have to keep reminding ourselves, I'm, I'm the beloved of God. I'm healed and whole. I'm healed and whole. I'm healed. And it's something I'm still having to claim. I'm healed of asthma. I'm healed of allergies. I'm healed of I don't get shortness of breath. I'm healed of swelling in my knees. I'm healed. And I, I go through all the different things, especially if I'm driving it while I'm driving at work. I ain't got nothing else to do. Lord, I'm healed of this asthma. I'm healed of this allergies. I'm healed. And, and it's little by little, little by little. Little by little. Why? Because he's redeemed my well-being. I don't know about you. Somebody say, I don't know about you. But as for me, he's redeemed me. You are redeemed. Amen. You are redeemed. You are redeemed. The entire fall was a falling away of our, in our minds from the true identity as image and likeness bearers of Elohim. And I said this, that Elohim in the Hebrew is the God that started it all. But just like Eve, we all were deceived to believe a lie about ourselves. And that's the fruit of the I am not tree. And just for a few minutes, we, we're going to unpack the I am not tree. I've talked about it a little bit before, but never got in depth. But the I am not tree, somebody say I am not tree. The I am not tree is it's the tree full of all the lies that are about the opposite or that are the opposite of, of God's innocent nature, redemptive nature, our redemptive nature. The I am not tree is the tree that is full of fruit. And this fruit is the opposite of your true redemptive nature, who God has redeemed you to be. The opposite of that, that's 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 what you can find on the I am not tree. For example, if you look at the I'm not tree, you'll 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 see there's fruit that says that you're cursed if you don't pay your tithe every Sunday. There's fruit that says your actions corrupt your ability to bear God's image and likeness. See, the fruit that the devil got with Adam and Eve that he got them to believe is the fact that God was withholding pieces of himself from them. Well, if you're like God, he would have made you. If you really like God, then you could have ate of that tree. And the, the first sin wasn't them eating of the tree. The first sin was them believing the lie. Because once they believed the lie, then they went. And, and if the devil can get you to believe it first, if he can get you to believe it first, the rest is history. 
There's a downward slope after that. More fruit that's found on the I am not tree is your performance determines how much you grow in righteousness. This is a heavy one. But I don't know if you knew this, but you cannot grow in righteousness. You're the righteousness of God. When we read the Bible, when we read those scriptures, it never said you are the righteousness of God. You'll be the righteousness of God a little bit more. And then a little bit later, you'll be the more you'll be even more the righteous. No, it just says you are the righteousness of God. Righteousness is not it's not like a video game where you're constantly trying to get to the next level. Now, your awareness of it grows. It's, it's the easiest way to understand it is this way right here. Kellen and Keenan, they and Cohen, they are they are my sons. And I love them. Now, that love doesn't increase as they get older. It's 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 there's no new levels of the love as oh man they did this now they get a they get to go to level three A of daddy's love. Oh they did they they learn how to play drums. Now they're in level five B of daddy's love. No. They're they they are in daddy's love. They remain in daddy's love. Why? Because they are my sons. You are the righteousness of God. There is no level three righteousness, no level five righteousness. It's you, it, you are the righteousness of God. You are as you ought to be. You are as you ought to be. That's, that's the true Hebrew definition of righteousness. You are as you ought to be. Lindsay, how, how am I supposed to be? The way God created you. Redeemed. Whole. Perfect, total shalom, which means nothing missing, nothing broken. And our performance doesn't, does it, uh, you know, whether we read enough chapters or don't read enough chapters, where you say the right type of prayer or you don't say, the, where you're fasting every week or fasting every month, whatever you do, your performance doesn't unlock levels of righteousness. You are the righteousness of God. You are the righteousness of God. And the fruit of the I am not tree tells us that, okay, it's our performance that gets God to do things. It's our performance that gets God to do. That. It's our performance that moves the heart. It's our sacrifices. It's our all these different things. Well, guess what? In Psalms chapter 51, verse 16, David says this. He says, the source of your pleasure is not in my performance or the sacrifices I might offer you. Talking about the Lord for the source of your pleasure. The source of God's pleasure is not in my performance. The King James Version says this, that God desires mercy, not sacrifice. But in the, in the New Living, it says, for the source of your pleasure is not in my performance. God's pleasure is not in your performance. Say that again, it's heavy. God's pleasure is not in your performance or the sacrifices that you might offer. Or the sacrifices that you might offer. Hosea 6, verse 6, says it this way. <clears throat> I want to show love. I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. I want you to know me more than I want burnt offerings. I didn't put this in here, but I just thought about it. Jesus said it best this way in John chapter 4, verses 19 through 23. That the Father desires those that will seek, that will worship him in spirit and in truth. Lindsay, what are we getting at? Your performance, you may, you, you may take pride in your performance, but God doesn't take pride in your performance. God takes pride in the face-to-face, -face, that face-to-face -face relationship, that thing that, bless her heart, that granny desires from Cohen so bad. Every, even this morning when she come in, 
She's like, no, nah, I'm not going to get close, but Cohen. And Cohen looked at her and instantly turned. Bless her heart. I always feel about I'm like, man, Cohen, just come on. Just give Granny that face-to-face. Just, just give her, just give her some, some good sugar, okay? Come on, buddy. Just, just do it for the, take one for the team. Give, give her some good sugar. Just do it, do it, do it. But, you know, and I laughed, but it wasn't until later I realized that that desire is the same desire that Papa has for us. God desires that face-to-face fellowship. Why? Because, listen, God is perfect, and he knows that when you can see the reflection of yourself, you're going to see everything that he sees, and you're going to believe what he believes about you. Therefore, you're not going to fall, uh, fall prey to the, to the traps of the enemy. You're not going to fall prey to the triggers of all the trauma. You're not going to fall prey to all the rumors that people are saying. You're not going to fall prey to all the lies that people say about you. You're not going to fall prey to no matter what your bank account shows. You're going to believe that you are the redeem, uh, redemption of God. You're going to believe that you are well, you are whole, you are, you are saved, you are, you are sanctified, you are holy, you are blessed. You are not the, you're not the tail, but you are the head. You're going to believe all all the different things that God says about you when you see him face to face. And when we say when we see him face to face, we're not saying that, OK, just close our eyes and, 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 and hope that we're going to see what his physical face, uh, face, facial features look like. But what we're saying is, OK, in the word, Lord, where are you in the word and where am I? Or better yet, you're going to take some private time and you're going to turn the you're going to put the phone on do not disturb mode. And you're going to say, okay, Lord, show me who I am. Show me who I am. Show me how I'm supposed to. Just do, take it day by day. Get up in the morning. Tomorrow's Monday. Okay, Lord, show me how I'm supposed to live this Monday. See, tomorrow, tomorrow may be a random day for you, but it's not a random day for the Lord. On his heavenly calendar, it's already ordained. It's predestined. It's preordained. He knows what needs to happen. So when you say, Lord, show me, show me how to live this Monday. Okay. And the breath of God, the rock of God assists us to do so. Show me how to live this Monday. But the only way that happens is if we're not believing the, the, the fruit of the I am not true. One of the other things that the I am not true you can find on the I am not true is that God, when, that God is only invested in what we do in church. Or your performance determines how much he will spend time with you. But let me, let me the, Lord, the, Lord broke, the Lord reminded me of this this morning. I was cooking pancakes. I got done with birthday pancakes for the birthday girl. And uh, cleaning up, cleaned everything up. And, uh, you know, I always do like whatever the last of the batch is, you know, I always, I always say, I always make mine out of the last of the batch because I scrape it all because I'm, it's going to be the biggest one. But even though it's the biggest one, it's not going to be the one that rises the most because, I mean, it's leftover. So I'm like, well, somebody's got to eat it. I'm going to eat it. So I just scrape it all and then make it. So it's the biggest one. It's, it's not the thickest, but it's the biggest. So it's taking the whole plate. It's, it's probably about that where everybody else is about that thick. And, uh. And I'm like, oh, man, it's Sunday morning. And I don't know if you don't know one thing about me. One thing is on Sundays before church, I, I don't like to eat because if I'm singing, it's hard for me to sing on a full stomach. Just is. And uh, so I'm looking at this and I'm like, oh, man, I don't want to eat. I'm like, you know what? I made this. I'm going to enjoy it. I got it. Did nobody else get up early to go to Walmart, get some buttermilk for this girl? I got it. 
you know, did nobody else flip these flapjacks? I got it. Did nobody else, you know, deal with, I'm hungry, daddy, while I'm flipping the, I, you know, so I, I made it, so I'm going to enjoy it. And I, as I get the fork out and I, you know, I, I get the butter, I melt the butter because I'm like, if, if I'm going to eat it, I'm going to enjoy it. I created it. Melt the butter, open it, you know, cut it open, and the steam comes, like, ooh, I'm looking at Cohen's pulling on me, dad, dad, and I'm like, not, you got to wait a minute, buddy. Dad, dad's having a moment. <laughs> I cut open, I took a bite, and I'm like, mm, man, that's so good. And Papa, through the Holy Spirit, said, why would I not enjoy my creation? And I was like, oh, oh, God. God, why would you not enjoy your creation? You created us. Why would he not want to be with you as you're folding your clothes? Why would he not want to ride in the car with you? Why would he not want to go to work with you? Why would he not want to stand beside you as you're pumping gas? Why would he not want to go in Walmart with you as you're shopping for groceries? Why would he not want to be with you as you're picking up the kids? Why would he not want to sit in the car on your lunch break with you? Why would he not want to be on the phone with you? Why would he not want to be in every waking moment of your life? Because he created you and he enjoys, he enjoys being with his creation. We just read it. He doesn't take pleasure in sacrifice. He takes pleasure in us. You are the apple of his eye. Amen. You are the apple of his eye. I'll tell you what, listen, if something's the apple of my eye, I'm not going to set it on the shelf and then only see it on Sundays and Wednesdays. If something's the apple of, of my eye, I'm going to take it everywhere I go. Or watch this, if it's doing something, I'm going to be in the middle of it. I'm going to be in the midst of it. I'm going to give it energy in order for it to do what it needs to do. My boys, they're the apples of my eye, so therefore I want to be in the midst of them. And when I'm not with them, I want to hear all about it when I get back with them. So therefore, I'm willing to sit and let them conversate with me as much as they want to conversate with me. I'm willing to sit and endure. If they want to wrestle, then we're going to wrestle. Why? Because I can't wait to be in the midst of them. I can't. I desire them so much. Why would God not want to be in the midst of you? Why would God not want to sit in the living room with you and watch Sports Center? Why would God not want to sit in the car with you as you wait at the red light? Why would God not want to do anything in your life? Why? Because he loves you. He loves you. You are the full scope of what he wants to do in the earth. You are the full scope. And guess what? The devil loves to tell us the opposite of this. Well, you know what? Well, you, you didn't participate as much in church Sunday, so, you know. You, you, go, you, have to, you have to work off a couple of weeks before you can really press in and pray, press in and worship. Or, you know, you didn't, you didn't really lift your hands yesterday, so therefore, man, you need, to, you need to get up early tomorrow and just press in and grit your teeth until you feel God, until you cry it out. When God, when God is waiting on you to wake up, not only is he waiting on you, he's watching over you as you sleep. Not because of your performance, but because he desires you. That's right, because he loves us. It's one of the most simple songs. He loves us, oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves. And the author of that, uh, the author of that song, he became one of my favorite artists just because he wrote that song. Just because he wrote that song. And I'm not one of those that, you know, I, I, if you're going to become my favorite, you've got to do a whole bunch of stuff. But this, he's one of my favorites just because of that song, because if you break it down, the verse, it's so, it's so scientifically beautiful. And it sets you up. I love a good setup. I love a good setup. It sets you up. It talks about how he's, you know, uh, all these different things. You know, if you're the hurricane, I'm the tree. Oh, God. 
you know, bend beneath the weight of your mercy. Oh, man, that's a heavy bar. And get there, and the verse is full of heavy upon heavier upon heavier lines, and then you get to the chorus, and it's just, he loves us. What? You know what? Oh, my gosh, he does love me. He loves me. He loves me. Some, some of us need to, need to start having those epiphany moments in our lives to where, man, Papa, you love me. Yeah. Or better yet, do, do like me when I'm working so, and, I, and I make a mistake and the Holy Spirit reminds me that I had to throw, throw the car in reverse. And I'm like, Lord, thank you so much because that could have been a problem. Oh, man, Lord, you love me. Lord, you love, I say it with, I say it with my lip out, Lord, you love me. Gosh. Jesus. And, and, and that turns into, that's, it turns into, Lord, you love me. Oh, God, you love me. And that's, you know, tears start flowing. I'm like, oh, God, you love me. And the letters are getting wet. I'm like, Lord, we got to stop because I'm putting wet mail in, 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 a, in a mailbox that is dry heat outside, Lord, and they ain't going to understand this. But, Lord, you love me. And before, I, and, and before I look up on the clock, guess what? The day's over. The route's done. And I can't remember anything except for his presence being in the car. And when I try to tell Kelsey and mom and dad stories about work, it's always it's always randomly because that's when I remember, oh, this happened. This happened because up until that point, all I can remember is the presence of the Lord being in the car, riding with me, putting packages on houses with me, putting letters in the mailbox with me. Why? Because he's the God that wants to be with you. He's the God that we read in that 1728 where we live, we move, we have our existence in him. Amen. We have, so understand this, we have this Christian life wrong. We're not supposed to match Jesus stat for stat. We're supposed to mirror him. We're not supposed to match him stat for stat. We're just supposed to mirror him. We're supposed to mirror him for, (sighs) we're supposed to mirror him. See, the phrase, for God I live, for God I die, it's what religion has taught us. It's what has been drilled in us. It's what we sang growing up. For God I live, for God I die. Somebody ought to testify. Mm-hmm. And when the Lord was teaching me this, I'm like, so Lord, what, what do you mean? And he's like, understand this, because to say, for God I live, for God I die, to, to live for God is to focus on what you're doing for God. But to live in him is focusing on him. It's solely focusing on him. It's solely focusing on him. See, living for God focuses on everything you do for God, which in turn is to be your self-performance. And your performance, we read it earlier, but your performance does not move the needle of heaven. Your performance doesn't. If it did, then you would have went to the cross. You could have went to the cross and took care of all of this. But your performance, so Lindsay, what does that mean? Does that mean we don't read? Does that mean we don't pray? Does that mean we don't fast? No, no, no. It's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is we don't, we don't make those things the end all be all. There's some days you oversleep and you, and you forget to pray. Okay, well, don't punish yourself and think that God's punished you because guess what? God is not. Amen. God, is, God is still riding in the car, clearing the highway, keeping all the smokies on the side so they don't catch you speeding as you're trying to make it to work. God is still loving. God, is still, God still sees you as the beloved of God, whether you read one verse or 200 verses. God still sees you as the beloved of God, whether you give $1 or $1,000. God, God still sees you as his beloved, whether you fast last week or last year. You are the beloved of God because of what Jesus did. 
And we don't live for God, we live in him. Lindsay, that's very, that's, that, that. And when, even when I say it, I cringe because I'm like, Lord, living for you is what I've always known. And he's like, yes, but I'm calling you to live in me, to live in me. The best way to understand this, you know, think of it this way. If Kellen came up and said, okay, daddy, I cleaned my room for you. Now will you feed me? No, that, that's, that's not the way it's supposed to work. Son, you live in my, you're living in my love. I love you enough to, I'm going, are you hungry? Okay, well, I'll feed you. You don't have to clean your room just to get me to feed you. I love you, so I'll provide what you need. See, one, one, one scenario, we're focusing on what he did in order to earn what I can give him. The other scenario is we focus on him trusting that, okay, my daddy loves me, so he's going to provide what I need if I ask. Hey, daddy, I'm hungry. Can we eat? Yeah, sure, what do you want? Let's go, let's go eat. Did you clean your bed? No, that doesn't matter. You, you need something? I, I'm your daddy. I'll provide it. Live in him. To the point that you trust and know, okay, Lord, hey, these bills are due. I trust and know you're going to provide the money. Yeah. Hey, Lord, this person is saying this. I trust and know that, you'll, that you will defend me. Lord, this is, this is what's happening in my life. I trust and know that you won't leave me to, to face it on my own. Lord, I trust you. I live in you. Not just for you. I'm not just focusing on what I bring to the table because what we bring to the table is not enough. It's not enough, amen? amen. See, living, living, watch this, living in Christ focuses on being hidden in Christ. Living for Christ focuses on what you're bringing to the table. Living in Christ focuses on the fact that you have an invitation to the table. See, if I live for Christ, I'm focused on what I, what I can bring to the table. I'm going to say this again. If I'm focusing on living for Christ, then I'm solely worried about what I bring to the table. But if, if I focus on what I live in in Christ, I'm just thankful I have an invitation to the table. See, I didn't tell Miranda this because I didn't want to put any extra pressure on her. But one of my favorite lines within that song, First Love, is it's the second verse. It says, there's a table set for you and me. It never said that there's a table set for us because of, oh man, I read enough chapters. I paid my tithe this Sunday. I got 20 people saved last week. The table of God is set for you because of what Jesus did, because of Jesus's performance. And see my, my movie like mine, the first time I heard that verse and anytime I hear it now, you know, if you've ever seen it, I doubt you have, there's probably a few that have. I could probably point to it, the ones I have. But if you've ever seen the, the Chronicles of Narnia, the third one, the Prince Caspian, I think that's the name of it, right? The third one. We'll just say the third one. And there's a scene in there where it's a forest, and it's this, it's this table in the midst of the forest, and it's full of food. And there's only two chairs. There's only two chairs. There's one chair for Aslan, who's representative of Jesus. And then there's another chair for whoever wants to come to the table and feast on all this. And anytime we sing that, anytime, anytime I hear that, I hear that line, there's a table, I think of that. And how Jesus has, because of what he's done, we have an invitation to the table. And we can feast on the goodness of God. David said it best, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. 
He never said, oh, taste and see after you've done this, this, and this, and this. Oh, taste and see after you keep every, every iota right. Taste and see after you dot every eye and cross, and cross everything. He said, no, taste and see. The invitation is open because Jesus has paid the price for it. Jesus has bought the tickets and now you get to come to the table. and see that the Lord is good. Living in Christ, we, we become thankful that we have an invitation to the table. See, if we're living in Christ, then we are still living life. If we're living in Christ, we're still going to school. We're still making friends. We're still going to work. We're still pumping gas in our cars. We're still grocery shopping. We're still folding laundry. We're still paying bills. We're still hanging out with friends. We're still sitting, uh, doing whatever. We're still living life because we're living in Christ. But see, if we're focused on living for Christ, and as we do all these things, we begin to critique ourselves. Well, I, and I, I gotta stop, and, and I gotta, I gotta, I gotta do this for God. I gotta, I gotta take some time to do that. Versus, okay, I'm, I'm doing these chores. I'm sweeping this floor. Oh, Papa, is that you? Tell, tell, tell me, tell me more about myself as I'm doing these chores. Papa, is that you? As I'm flipping pancakes, Lord, that, that oh, I feel you, Lord. Why? Because he wants to be in the midst of your life. Not your church service. Your life. Your life. Your life. You're living. You're eating. You're coming. You're going. You're resting. You're driving. You're cleaning. Everything we do it needs to be rooted in Jesus. That's why the author said in Acts chapter 17, 28, we live, we move, we have our being. See, in him, in him is the oxygen that your lungs need to breathe. Did you know that? These are all, uh, this is all common knowledge, but some of us, we need to be reminded of it. In him is the oxygen you need to breathe. In him is our sight for seeing. In him is, watch this, in him is our locomotor system, a.k.a. the musculoskeletal system, which is made up of the skeleton, which is made up of the ligaments, which is made up of the muscles, joints and, car and cartilage and connective tissue. All these things working together to allow our body to move. In him is the right amount of red blood cells and white blood cells in order for your heart to pump life unto your mortal body. In him is the very things that you need, the very neurons that run throughout your body that allow you to sense things before you even touch them, allow you to smell things before you even see them, allow you to hear things before you even hear them, allow you to see and envision the visible and invisible. In him is your entire, entire, entire existence. You started in him and you, and guess what? You fly in him. You thrive in him. In him, there is no end. He is forever. He is forever. And just like when I picked Cohen up and I looked at him face to face, Lindsay, this is worship. I wasn't singing to him. I wasn't singing songs. Oh, Cohen, oh, Cohen, your presence means everything to me. I wasn't singing to him in that moment. I wasn't saying, Cohen, you're my first love. I wasn't paying him tithe. I was doing life with this baby. I was living. I was breathing. I was moving. I was existing. And Papa said, this is what worship is. Who do you live in? 
live in? Or are you just more focused on, okay, well, I live for God. Everything I do, I do it for God. And there's nothing wrong with getting souls saved. There's nothing wrong with fasting. There's nothing wrong with praying. There's nothing wrong with reading the word. I'm not saying all these things we should stop doing. What I'm saying is, is your focus on living for or living in? Because if you're living for, then guess what? You're focused on your performance and your performance is going to get you nowhere. But if you can focus on, I'm going to live in him. Then what's going to happen is, what's going to happen is you're going to be doing just regular stuff. You're going to be walking through Walmart and let's you know, you feel the presence of God. Lord, is that you? With me, as I'm getting laundry detergent, is that you? You're going to pump, you're going to be pumping gas. Make sure you're aware of how much you put in the car when you feel the presence. Don't, don't be, don't, don't, don't overfill and then try to go up in there and be like, you know, I, I you know, I, I didn't realize I got that much, you know, the presence of God. So, you know, Jesus paid it all. So we're just going to leave it at that and then try to leave. Don't do that. Dude, don't do it. Don't you put that on Jesus. <laughs> What's going to happen is you're going to be at work in a very stressful day and people are not acting Christ-like. People are not acting ideal. People are not benefiting on your favor. And you're going to be like, Lord, is that your peace I feel? Okay. Okay, Lord, let, let's go with that. Okay, Lord, lead me. Lead me. If Lord, I feel you already. Lead me. Kids going to be acting crazy. You're going to feel like you need a common zone. Lord, is, is, is that your direction of wisdom I feel? Okay, lead me. Lead me. His presence isn't limited to these four walls. His presence isn't limited to a church service. His presence, it's, it, it, it's without ends. It's without limits. He's omnipresent. So guess what? His presence can follow you everywhere you go if you want it to. If you want it to. If you choose to tap in and, and become aware. If you choose to surrender and say, okay, Lord, I'm going to live in you. I'm going to, for the rest of my life, I'm going to live in I'm going to hide myself in you. The Bible says that our life is hidden in Christ. Which means that everything that's happened in life, it first has to penetrate him first. It first has to go through him first. If there is, if there is rain, if there is tidal waves, let's imagine we're at the beach. If there's tidal waves outside and they were crashing and trying to get in. And we were tucked, if we were hidden and tucked in this building. The waves can't get in without first penetrating the walls. All that life has to offer, if we hide, or if we allow ourselves to remain hidden in Christ, whatever life comes our way, it's first gotta, it's gotta go through Him. And He is a good God that He will not let anything, He will not let any evil befall on you. But with everything, He will create a way of escape, a way that points back to Him. Amen.